Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 113 of Manage the Wild. I'm Nick Madsen. Today, we're going to be doing part three of uh, sit down with Chad Wilson, the CWMU coordinator or private lands public wildlife coordinator as we finish up this discussion about CWMUs. Uh, stick around. Enjoy. If you have any comments or questions, hit me up on Facebook or Instagram. Some of the other things that I'm interested in are like how the management plans, like um, if they're given a hundred tags for elk, do they have to go out? Uh, does the division require them? Because you were talking about uh, they went out and they went and killed the cows, wiped out their resident population, and now it puts a hardship on them for the next couple of years. They become gun shy, so to speak. Yeah. Are they required to? So any all the public hunters, yes, they're they're required. The public drew drew one with the expectation of having a satisfying hunt, so they need to be given that opportunity. Um, now the private vouchers, those are. They, they can do what they want on that. Um, and and so we go back to, we talked a little bit about the splits, but we only we only got to 90-10 split. Yeah. There are, there are a couple options. So there's four different options. Oh, there's four. Yeah. So you okay. can go 90-10, 85-15, 80-20, or 75-25. If you go to that low end of 75-25, the antlerless are actually 50-50. So half private, half public. Um, and then it varies in between there um but yeah they they don't have to they don't have to have that private hunter they don't have to sell any of those if they don't want um the public we do ask that they they honor all of those ones they honor them yeah and have help them have a satisfying hunt so um yeah. do you ever have anybody like this year you talked about this winter being as bad as this do you have any cwmus come to you at the end of a winter and be like, we just lost yeah. our population. Can we cancel tags for this year? That, that's happening right now. Either, either cancel or reduce. And, and that's where we've, so, so it's a little bit challenging. We, we passed those buck and bull CWMU permits in December is when the wildlife board um, passed those. So for the rack. They're all, yeah. Or for CWMUs. For CWMUs. So they're, they're in the books. They've actually, they have their vouchers. So they've already been given their vouchers. So it's kind of, it's, it's a hard place to say, oh, wait a second. We need some of those back because we're going to change your, your tag permit numbers on you right now. Uh, the other part of that is, once again, this is a business for them. Uh, they have to keep their private people satisfied or their private people aren't going to come back too. And I, I think a majority of the CWMUs, uh, say if you had 20 deer tags and you you lost half your herd and you feel like well there's only five good bucks to shoot you're you're going to take your two public hunters and then three other people and you're going to just cut that so they're not year. trying to turn them back they just may not fulfill that that's how i feel like i don't know there there might be we'll see what what happens at the rack and the board right like they yeah, they can bring week. up about yeah they can bring up whatever topics this might this might come up as a topic do you have to go to the rack meetings yeah yep i'll i'll be there again so um but yeah it it could come up and so we'll we'll see like the wildlife board has ultimate decisions on this so we'll see we'll see where they go but that's i think some information that we'll pass along to them is that you know most of the times I think CWMUs, when they don't have 
the number of animals or the quality of animals, they just kind of, for lack of better words, they eat those private tags and just potentially. And and honestly, there's a lot of box elder that have been doing this for years. Like they've, they've, been, they've trying, been eating those tags. Yeah, they just they'll have their public hunter, and then they might let two or three people, other people, hunt it. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, and it's just that the one, and then when the deer herd gets better, I, I can think of one specifically that that's been that way that they've they've never had all ten of their hunters out there. And they've finally grown their deer herd. I don't know if this winter changed that, but they finally grown their deer herd where they, they're they like, you know what? We actually might sell all of our tags this year and have everybody hunt. That's interesting because I think the there's a misconception of hunters out there that the CWMUs are only in it for the profit. But what you're describing is probably the opposite of generally when I talk to people is they don't realize that these organizations or, or these units are eating tags just because they don't have the quality of the deer. So it's not necessarily, yeah. I mean, there is profit involved, but it's also habitat and hunter satisfaction that go into those decisions. Yeah. Well, and, and they're really like, if you're in the business and you start selling a whole bunch of tags and you're saying, this is what, this is the type of animal you can kill. And then, and then somebody comes and hunts and they're like, I didn't even see any animals there. You, you lose a client. And if you do that enough over enough, number of years you have no clients and yeah. you're not able to sell anything so yeah i mean it's some of it is that business model but i would say too most of them care deeply about the wildlife um they they want to see populations in in good health and and just be thriving um more so than how much can i make max dollars and and there's enough CWMUs that there's probably some of each, right? Yeah, but, absolutely. But I would say more, more than, more that way than are not. Like more, or concerned about the, the populations and the wildlife than they are about making top dollar. Is there animals that are harder to work with in CWMUs? Elk survivability, even though you have bad winters, still relatively high. But are there are there CWMUs that you're just they're they're harder? in general just to work with based upon what animal you're talking about um the yeah i i would say and mostly it's mostly it's elk the elk cwmus and mostly it's because that's they're the harder. one animal that we're over objective on the most right like everything else is hard to stay at an objective or even get to objective uh, we have some that we've pushed up against it on deer again to objective but and and where the hard part is comes back to the cow elk, um, and it's just so that's just that's that your that's your frustrating animal in yeah. a sense is I thought it would be something where you're having a hard time getting to objective, but you're actually finding more problems with animals once you're over objective than you are. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, CWMUs are great to work with, especially the the under <laughs> if you're under objective, it's everybody's happy. Um, they're Deer only CWMUs are super easy because you don't. Oh, I was thinking not, they might be challenging. No, you don't deal with, you don't. So most of our contention with CWMUs is over antlerless tags. And usually us saying, well, we got to figure out how to kill a few more antlerless animals. And CWMUs saying, I don't want to kill them on mine for the reasons we've stated earlier. And so that's where sometimes the contention of like, well, how do we get this done um, with deer I, there's three CWMUs throughout the state that have doe tags, and I think all of those have 
uh, ag land on them that they're trying to help alleviate that damage to the ag land still. So they, they shoot a few does, not enough probably to make a huge difference. difference. Yeah. Like, um, so, so with them, it's easy. Everybody's on the same page. It's, there's really not that conflict, but you start talking about how, how to kill elk and how many tags each CWMU should have. And, and, and then with their concern of like, well, I don't want to push all the elk off of my CWMU. I still want to have a, an yeah. elk CWMU that I can hunt that that's where, that's where it gets a little more difficult. That's interesting. That's the opposite of what I thought. I thought your lower objective would be harder because you're just worried about over harvester pushing animals off. But it's the over objective. Yeah, it's interesting. And specifically elk, like it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've. I think Chalk Creek's probably been close or over objective on deer, and, and that you know. But when, then you get a winter like this where yeah. you lose your fawns, yearlings, yep. and starting into adults. Yep. And that kind of really reduces Put, your population. Puts you back, but yeah, the the un, like like we've said earlier too, like they always harvest at a lower amount than what we're going to so they if we're under objective and we're growing they're never they're never growing killing too many for us to say stop yeah you s- slow back yeah. we did have legislation saying you can't kill too many this year and i don't know if you saw that was that in the hb 469 yes i i was mostly focused on the cougar yeah, issue i was a little annoyed there's a lot of things in that one. But uh, there, what was there, 15, 16 things? There was a lot. <laughs> I, I don't know. And, and I haven't gone through it enough to fully understand all. But I would say the Utah Division of Wildlife had their hand full, hands full during this session. Let's talk about that one. It was just passed. How is that going to affect? So it, it's not going to affect a lot of CWMUs. Um, just because of the way you guys manage and you're more conservative anyways. Yeah, and but but what it is is it does make it so if you have you can't have more than one tag for every three hundred and twenty acres. So, so we had we had a few. Is this the first time there's been a restriction on the number of tags based upon acres? Yeah, yep. And, and so yeah, so there there was I think seven CWMUs that were hunting at a, a higher uh-huh. rate than that. So they're they're going to have to cut tags to be in the program. Uh, the other part was to have a November hunt. You can't have more than one for every 640 acres. And I think that was about 20-something. So those guys will have to choose whether they want to not hunt November or so cut they back can their keep, tags. So they can keep their permits high. They just have to be done by November first. Yeah. Because yep. like elk, you can go through December, right? Uh, elk, well, they're all 61 days. So oh, the, the general season is September 1st, October 31st. Oh, so that's... So I was, if the way I took it, they could basically from September 1st all the way through December, they could, but it's 61 days. 61 days. Elk, you have, you can get a variance on elk and we've allowed those up to December or November 30th or December 1st. I can't remember which one, but essentially the month of November. And you have some of those that have that extension from anywhere to November 20th or November 15th to, to the end of December. Deer traditionally, it's you, there's been a November option for some that you could hunt from September 11th to November 10th. So it's the same amount of days, just shifted back 10 days. Um, 
the antlerless stuff now on the other hand is August first to July to January thirty first. So you oh, so that's where that's where months. my confusion came in because yeah. the antlerless is different. You're talking about bucks and bulls. Yeah. Yep. So antlerless, you have a full six months that you can okay. harvest. That's where my confusion came into play because there's so much more antlerless that are being targeted. Is that yeah. why? Or yeah. And and really, uh, no, I don't blame them, but. CWMUs really don't want to hunt their antlerless the same time they're hunting their bulls. Yeah, you don't want to put pressure. Yeah. If you've got a 400-inch bull you're after, and then you got a Somebody guy shooting a cow right yeah. next to it. <laughs> right, yeah. So, so it gives them a little bit more time. Um, so they can uh, target those bucks and bulls right off the bat and then spread out their antlerless. Yeah, over. and it even gives them the ability to, you know, start before the season. Maybe you throw a few archery guys in there and harvest a few or – or you can before just, you start your yeah. rifles. They're not required to do an archery first muzzleloader. No, they can they can split it up they, however they yeah, want. Yeah, and this this might get confusing, but they can choose an archery hunt. So if you have a guy that says I want to do archery, he can do that. He can start the same day that our archery hunt starts. He's got to use a bow the rest of the time though. So once September, he can do that from August till September first, and then depending on the season that the the CWMU hunts like if they choose that September 11th to November 10th. So he can then hunt. He'd have with, to pause those. He can hunt in August mm -hmm. because the archery opener on the CWMU. Yeah. But the CWMU season is for any weapons, and they can say September 11th through yeah. the next 60 days. But if you choose that, ar 1st. and this is for bucks and bulls, but if you choose that archery, you can't. If he starts Once it in goes August. to general, you can't switch back to He gun. has to stay archery. You're, you're archery for the whole entire thing. And can uh, generally do these uh, tags, can people hunt the entire 61 days? No. I think there's a big misconception there. Yeah. I talk to a lot of people and they think, oh, yeah, look, I've got two months to go in. Some people thought, thought they had three and four months, but they could. So uh, generally, how long are they? Or is there a requirement that they have to allow them a certain amount of days? Yeah. So bucks and bulls, it's five consecutive days. Um, antlerless, it's three days. So you're, it's just like a normal hunt. You've got pressure to go in and harvest your animal. You don't yeah. have months. Yeah. And, and I would say too, though, uh, this is where even in law, it says that you have to have a comparable hunting with the private guy. So, so if they're allowing their private guy like a full month, then there's there at least could be an argument made that you need to allow the public guy a full month. And and I'll say that these are minimums. A lot of these CWMUs will will say, here's your five days. If you don't see something, if you're not satisfied, let's get you back in. Like most of them will work. I, some of them, their hands are a little more tied because they have so many hunters coming through. But some of these that don't have as many hunters, they're – Man, they, they will bend over backwards. And, and you see it. Like uh, recently I looked, and I believe it was it was more than 60 CWMUs that had higher satisfaction raters from the, satisfaction ratings from their public hunter than they did their private than hunter. Than their private. Yeah. That's so they, they treat the public guy like gold. And I would say most of them just do everything they can to make that guy satisfied. Um, I think the ones I've worked with, I've, I've always seen that. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to one individual. He had a cow hunt, went in for three days, didn't see a cow. Talked to him, and they said, yeah, come back. And he ended up harvesting his cow. And so, yeah, it was just interesting. The other thing that I think is cool on these uh, CWMUs is um, 
It's the wrong term. I want to call it party hunting, but you can put in as a group. Like on Deseret, I've talked to multiple individuals who put in as three or four hunters for that, and then they draw a tag together. Is that is that how you would... Did I understand that correctly? Yeah. It's so not a party hunt. I mean, they can't all a, hunt off of one, but they can all put in together yeah, to draw tags. a group application like yeah. you do on our, our, our other hunts. Yeah, and I guess the one thing to be cognizant of that is, you know, sometimes they only have one public hunter, so yep. yes. it's harder to put in for a group. So they can, go on, you, they can go on the hunt planner and see how many can they, I don't know if they can actually see, can they see on the hunt planner how many tags or how would they know if there's only one yeah, cow tag? Yeah, I know it's in the proclamation. Well, cow tags, there will always be or there, there, For the bucks bucks and bulls, yeah. I, actually, there's one, there, Powder Mountain has one cow tag. Um, they, and so, yeah. So would but it be, I think that's the only one that only has one. So would it be on the hunt planner? How Like if they're putting in for groups, how would I they would know? I think it would be on that, but it's in the proclamation. Um, if you go through the proclamation, it will it for sure there list how many list. public tags are available. And right now, antler list is not out, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so that's just bucks and bulls right now. Yeah. You're, yeah, they're doing the what on the twelfth? I uh, sure. <laughs> I have too many things to. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Okay, uh, is there any real challenges that stand out for you in CWMU? Things that you you're trying to work through or in the future, I mean, growth is, is one thing that the state's facing. There's a lot of growth, habitat fragmentation. Yeah. How are these going to affect the way CWMUs are run? Or Well, that that's one of the good things with CWMUs. One of the positives is some of these CWMUs, probably a lot of them, could be sold and developed and their land be used for different things. And so it actually gives you tracts of land that are that care about wildlife and and are designed to not break up that habitat and they're big chunks of acreage, you know, 5,000 plus that, that now you have it where it's, we're not going to build on this. We're not going to do cabins. We're, we're not going to do all these other things. We're going to have it be for wildlife. So I think the CWMUs help a lot with, with that end of it. Um, a lot of the challenges we've had in the past is we kind of touched on it earlier. Public perception sometimes is, um, I don't know. You just, if you've read it, read enough, it's always greedy landowners, this and yeah. greedy landowners that. And so, it, you know, to, to overcome those, those perceptions, my, my experience with working with the CWMUs is, uh, those landowners are really down to earth people that just super good people, super nice people. Um, and do they get a benefit? Yeah, they do. But they're, they're really good to work with. I, I would also say, you know, we have CWMUs that don't sell any tags. They, they'll, uh, we have like the reciprocal program, but even, even beyond that, we have people that are just doing hunts for the Braves or wounded warrior hunts or, uh, sports bound or will, what is that one? There's some the, for the wheelchair bound, wheelchair bound sportsman. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just, just all of these groups of, of under, I don't know if you say underserved or underprivileged or, or hardships that, I mean, they, they take those guys out. They have a good time. Um, it changes, it changes their lives, honestly. And I think it changes the CWMU people's lives too. Like they see. Yeah. There's a benefit in the yeah. service they're they're providing. Yeah. So I, I don't know. There's just a lot of really good people. And I, I think sometimes we look at, look at them as, 
the enemy maybe sometimes some hunters will see them as the enemy that are taking opportunity and i just for the most part looking at that program if we didn't have the cwu program we wouldn't have the wildlife management would be way different yeah management would be way different would be asked to be doing a lot more removals yeah um, we take, used to do a lot mm-hmm. and a see lot. them <laughs> yeah uh like in that that area morgan south rich like yeah 80 80 I, what was the do you know the total private percentage of that unit? Um, I think it's like 85%. So how do you... Private. Yeah, then, how do you remove animals off a of private? You'd yeah, be doing large removals. Yeah, we'd be doing large removals. Because of depredation. And, and the other part of that is, I think the last few, since I've been coordinator, I think our depredation payments have never been over $5,000 on that unit. That's all private land. And it's because... 80% of that private land is in CWMUs. And then those CWMUs help their neighbors that are having issues. So In what way are they helping? Th- there's a lot of different ways. Like I've had them out hazing wildlife. I know some of them will just say, hey, I, I know the wildlife's eating your hay. Um, let me buy you some hay. Um, some of the larger ranches, I, I know for sure, are doing that. They're yeah. going out. and Yeah, but I think a lot of it's just communication with them saying, look, we know we're trying to grow wildlife. We, we recognize that you probably don't like, they don't really help you because you're not in this program. Let us help you out and water, water the things that we can do. Um, I mean, and the, I think the potential is endless. Like they could, they can haze, they can buy hay, they can build fences. Like there's, there's a lot of options that they can do. And I think they do. Um, just to preserve the wildlife. So I like that. Yeah. Uh, the last little bit, can you talk about like uh, landowner associations, how they're different from CWMUs? That's uh, you touched on it a little bit, but they're a little bit different. Yeah. Landowner associations are different. Um, I just went through that rule and it took about two years to, to make some changes <laughs> to that rule. And, and, uh, I think some people, like we've said, some people were happy and some people were, were not happy, but landowner associations are on, are limited entry units and if they can get this is where it gets confusing they're different they're not they're not a cwmu they're not they're they're not their own unit but they fall within uh a limited limited entry entry units and they they can have their land their private lands is fragmented so you don't have the contiguous acres um but but what you they have to have 50 percent of the private land that's in in the habitat have to agree to enroll to be part of the LOA. So you have to get more, at least half of them, or actually the rule says more than half. So it's like 50.1 or, you know. So more than 50% of the unit yeah. has to be. Not not of the whole entire unit, just what's mapped in our, our habitat layer. Okay. So once again, if it's out in the salt flats, we would exclude any of the private lands. Because it's lands not good because, yeah, because it's not, not benefiting. And one other thing that we did on that, too, is saying, and it probably needs to be green belt. Um, most everything that we deal with on private landowners is green belt, so we're not going to hold non-green belt land against, against the others that want to participate. So, yeah, once once you have that, then you can just do an application, and then whatever percentage of of the habitat that is so, so say um 10 of the private land is 10 of the unit is private lands enrolled then you would get 10 of the tags and those those tags would be vouchers that you can sell 
and they're good for the whole entire unit. Um, in return, if you got 10 tags, we would, we, it is rule now that you have to allow 10 people from the public and it would be, Oh, out, that's different out of, yeah. From, so yeah, this is one of the big changes. Um, but it would be the, the top 10 draw people. So it, it would be assigned to 10 people. It's not in the past. It was just, you have to allow this many people. They would track it. Um, honestly, and, and on a lot of them, it was friends and family. So there wasn't a general public benefit. It was a, yeah. it was friends a, and family. They were, benefit. yeah. Yeah. They were still picking and choosing who, who got to go on. So this way it, it's completely random. Um, and we've also said, you know, if they don't want to do it, we're not going to just keep going down the line and make sure 10 people, but 10 people will have that opportunity. It would be too much workload for us to yeah, try to absolutely <laughs> try to make sure that people got access. And, um, that's difficult to tell too. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that would go into it and you'd be running up against it. So, um, yeah, so they're able to get those tags. Um, I used 10 as a number. That was probably a bad decision because most of them, it's a handful of permits. It's not anywhere. It's five, six. Yeah, even that is high on a lot of them. So there's there's a couple that, that went up pretty high. But How many landowner associations actually, how many qualify in the state? So there, there's 21, but some of those are, are somewhat duplicated. So... Um, Maybe this one's a bad example because this one affected them a lot, this new rule change, but Diamond Mountain, and we'll see if they continue to, if they choose to continue to be part of the program or not, but they had elk and deer. So, so I would count them for two because it's two different species in that yeah, 21. That so so if you've you, got quite a few less because it's so hard to qualify. Yeah, it's hard to qualify. It's only on limited entry units. Um, some of them, it's hard to get that, the private all on board, which we do feel like that's an important part. We need, we need people to be on the same page of tolerance and, and building. Um, we don't want a, like 30% of the landowners on there saying the yeah, let's do this. And then the other 70% saying we got to kill all the elk and deer or whatever the species is. So yeah. yeah, just to try to get everybody at least the majority on board with the, of what we're trying to do with wildlife to make it make sense it's complicated it's complicated and that one's more complicated than cw is <laughs> yeah i don't think i've ever i know uh there was quite a few landowners who wanted to put together um one of those and it just they could never quite do it yeah. no matter how many meetings and how many people they talk to it, it's, it's hard to get people on the same page it, yeah yeah especially landowners they they have their land and they know what they want to do with their land most yeah, of them absolutely and, and good for them right i'm not that's not a negative but no not not two most two landowners aren't the same they they have their own ideas and do you see uh cwmus that are not single landowners yes yeah. do you have a lot of cmws that are yeah. cw yeah cwmus that are mixed ownership i'd say probably a majority are mixed to degree and some of them um spring creek Dodge comes to mind down in the southeast region that it's it's a significant amount of landowners that are in that one. So you, you get some that it's 40, 50 plus landowners. Um, to get their requirements. Yeah, to get to the minimum. Well, and sometimes it's they even do it above and beyond minimum acreage. Um, it's, I think for operators, the bigger the CWMU is, 
the, the more easier it is to manage, right? Like now you don't have to worry, okay, now if they come. So as we are talking earlier, you know, you have landowners outside the CWU that don't get the benefit. Well, if you can just incorporate them in, if they, if they're touching and you can incorporate them in, then now they are getting the benefits of being part of a CWMU. And so it's one person you don't have to work with as much outside of the CWMU. And I, and I think that's a lot of these CWMUs, that's what they see is say, Hey neighbor, I know that this adversely affects you. Why don't you just join in and then we'll make out some sort of a deal that it's, and I would say their benefit that they get being part of the CWMU is way bigger than what we can provide them as a division, uh, just doing depredation, even depredation yeah. payments. Like yeah. They'll that, get significantly Yeah, more. we we try to cut those down as much as possible. Yeah, we have a certain budget that we have to, to yeah. work with. And, and if it goes over. Yeah. And at that point, too, like, obviously, we want to we wanna mitigate that, that budget and and would be doing more things to remove and, and get animals off of it. So, so the payment stays down where a CWMU, they would just say, well, we'll pay you more and, but we're not going to chase the animals off. So, so builds tolerance once again. Uh, last thing, uh, in the future with the way Utah and wildlife are headed, do you see CWMUs increasing? Do you see them a reduction? Do you kind of have a grasp of where that's headed? Yeah. I mean, at some point it feels like, all your contiguous lands are going to run out, right? But it, it does with all the building that's going on right now. Yeah, but I would I don't see it decreasing, I guess. And if it did, it would be very like I said earlier. Maybe some of those units that are those uh, units that are mixed ownership with the uh, yeah, the mixed ones, and you do get some that are like by Heber Valley, where prices of homes, homes might be incentive enough for them to to do it. But in general, I'd see it growing. There's also, so so there's no guarantees in wildlife, and there's no guarantees to be a CWMU, and there's no guarantee for how many permits you get. But with that all being said, a lot of these lands get marketed as, like, hey, you could do a CWMU and you can get permits. And it's, there's people who buy land in Utah, large sections, large sections to be a CWMU and have those hunting opportunities so i i would see it more growing than dwindling um but sure. but you never know <laughs> yeah you never know uh areas like park city where prices land prices are exceptionally high do you have quite a few around there um do you not, see those not a lot around park city and um, is that one of the issues is because of the price of land is so high it's probably cheaper to sell off an acre at a time than it would be to yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't know why, because a lot of these started thirty years ago. So I don't know why thirty years ago they didn't do it, but maybe they were already. Oh, so a lot lots. of these CWMUs have been enrolled for thirty years. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize they were that long. Well, whenever, whenever yeah, it started whenever it in the nineties, yeah. So it's been, it's around thirty years. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, you have, you have some like the backside of, uh, just up there by mountain green morgan that they're putting in a ski resort so like that one might go away too like it does seem like it's harder the closer it is to big population to keep that as a cwmu but yeah i don't know i mean you have some you have some chunks kind of by park city but yeah, i think it's fragmented enough that it's 
just hard they to just have. They just can't get together. Yeah, big tracks. and. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for sitting down. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. I'd like to thank Chad for sitting down and talking to, him, to me about CWMUs and learning about the, uh, the tool, one of the tools that the Utah Division of Wildlife uses to manage wildlife. There's pros and cons to everything, and it was uh, an enjoyable conversation for me. Uh, if you guys have any questions or comments, again, go to Facebook or Instagram. Let me know. Yeah, if there's topics or people you want me to interview, let me know. If not, stay wild. Enjoy your day. <laughs>